The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's McCowan. It's uh, for this Tuesday. What are you chortling about now? Well, because I ever like yesterday, I was on a golf course and I had three guys walk sure. up to me. Yeah, three guys. Uh, uh, three guys walk up to me. Hello, Shannon. <laughs> and, and so um, it's uh, it's one of those things where people must be listening one way or the other. They must. Uh, that's all Not they know necess- me as now. I don't know. Not necessarily, I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, our guest today really needs no introduction, but we're going to give her one. Uh, born in 1964, Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island. And now you know who it is. Don't you think? But there's only one person of female born in Charlottetown in 64. I think only there's one? only one. Who else that we would have on this <laughs> program yeah. would be from Charlottetown? And, hmm? and, and one of my, honestly, one of my favorite people. Oh, no, me too. One of Everybody. People. Yeah. Delightful person. And uh, she can hit the golf ball. 11 times a winner on uh, um, a professional winner, four wins on the LPGA tour. Yeah. Um, and she is about to embark on her 30th and last, um, well, Canadian Women's Open yeah. in Ottawa. Ottawa Hunt, yeah. Yeah. Um, Lori Kane is uh, with us. And it is, uh, it's sort of sad that we're not going to, well, that she's well, not going to play anymore. But the, 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 torch the, ha- the torch has been passed in our country, at least, from Lori to Brooke, right? Oh, I know. I know. Uh, no disrespect intended. And Brooke is a great player. And, um, you know, Brooke has won 10 times on the tour. Yeah, the greatest player we've had in this country, I think, without question. But in terms of carrying the torch, um, Lori Kane has done it for a long, long time. And we're going to chat with her about a whole bunch of stuff, obviously golf related, when we come back. Lori maybe, Kane. maybe, maybe she can fix your putting. You think? No, not a chance. Nah, I don't think so either. <laughs> but if anybody could, when we come back, Lori Kane. Back after this. It is uh, McCowan and Shannon. We are back with you. And uh, we are um, very excited to be joined today by uh, one of Canada's great golfers of all time who is about to participate in her 30th Canadian Women's Open. And I'm told last, Lori Kane is with us. Hi, last. Hi. This is it, huh? Yeah, it's time. Um you know, 30 is a lot. I don't know who's been counting. Um, <laughs> I guess we've been two years shy of getting this thing back on, on the rails, as we say, in the CP business. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not able, I'd love to keep playing, but I just feel when you don't have a chance to compete week in, week out, it's pretty hard to compete against uh, this crop of great um, LPGA players. Well, Tell me a little about a bit about what you do on a regular basis. Now you are not following the tour around on any kind of uh, regular thing. I mean, how often do you play? I mean, do you, or do you play differently now than you did before? That's a that's a great question, Bob. Because I I look at my life. I don't think things are any different than when I played full time on tour. Other than I don't play tournament golf. Um, I feel like I'm training and preparing, and my head is still in the space um, to be ready to compete, um, whenever that is like this, um, tomorrow I'm leaving to go to Minneapolis to play in a, in the Lando Lakes, um, senior LPGA event, uh, which I'm fortunate that it's just the week before, um, I need to be in Ottawa or a couple weeks before Ottawa to give me some prep time as, as they say. Um, I play a lot of casual golf with friends here at home. Um, I've been home since April. Um, 
And, but if I'm in my, at my place at Lake Nona in the wintertime, I train like I'm still competing. So Do you? Um, I don't know what, how I turn that page, but um, yeah, I guess preparing for the CP Women's Open is, is really where my head's at. So, so the, explain to us that the competitive edge, I mean, playing with your friends is one thing, but when you get into a twosome or a threesome, what's that like? Well, it's like putting the card in your hand, right? Or in a hockey game and the whistle blows and the puck drops. Um, you got to be there and you got to be in that space to, to know that you can grind right till the end. And in golf, it takes a long time to play. Um, so I'm in and out of, I sometimes joke in and out of consciousness when I'm, when I know I'm really present in what I'm doing. And then when I'm thinking about other things. So if I'm playing a casual round of golf with friends, um, I'm probably not as intense as I am when I'm playing uh, a competitive round. We have a great group at Belvedere, my home club here in Charlottetown, and it's the Tuesday group. And the Tuesday group are probably the best players at the club. And they play on Tuesday like I used to play on Sunday. <laughs> so um, I'm ha- I know when I'm there, I need to up my game. But it, it emotionally draining when you play in a, in a tournament? Um, it can be, yes. Uh, I played the stand-up open this weekend in um, just on the North Shore of, of PEI, and it blew a gale on Sunday. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, when I finished, I needed a nap. And... <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's good to be in the saddle, but you're right. You have to have the mindset that um, you need to hit a shot, and 30 seconds later, you know, you need to give yourself a break. Um, it's that's the great thing about golf. Um, but like I said, I'm I know I'm turning the page. I just don't know when the page will get to the other side. You practice less than you used to. I would think so. I practice more efficiently now than I used to. Really? Um, I think I, I can go out with the idea that I need, I know what I need to work on and I'm comfortable. Um, once I've, you know, kind of got a little bit of a groove on to walk away. Cause I think one of the biggest mistakes we make in golf is that we get in that groove and we're so afraid to, to leave it, that you can work yourself right back into um, a mess because of fatigue. Um, you know, not enough of us spend enough time on the short game, on the scoring side of the game. And that's where I tend to spend most of my time now, Bob. Oh, so, so ball striking is is a, a smaller fraction of where of where you spend your time now? 100%. I had an injury last summer in my shoulder, and I didn't realize it was as bad as it was until it was bad. And I had lost, you know, for golfers listening, I'd lost where the driver was. I couldn't feel the driver. And we're swinging clubs now that are so much lighter than we did when I was first introduced to golf that um, I had to get back to feeling some weight. So I, I ordered this training bat from Japan. I'd seen many of our Japanese players with it and it's a driver length, but it looks like a bat. And it gave me the, you know, familiarity of as to where the club was in my backswing. Um, my ball striking isn't what it was. Uh, I'm hoping that it can come around in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm comfortable though, because I can score. Uh, my short game is, is very good and I'll lean on it hard in Ottawa. Um, and this week to be exact, but, um, yeah, I spent a little less time on that. So for you, what comes and goes more often the ball striking or the short game? I would say now the ball striking and only because I, I think I'm, I have the privilege of spending more time on my short game. If we asked that question of just the average golfer, they would all say, I'm pretty sure they're short game because one, they don't probably have the technique that they know that can hold under the gun in scoring and, um, you know, putting is putting. Um, we all will all have streaky days of good putting and, and not so great putting. Um, but I'm not, I'm like, if I don't chip it this close, I'm not happy. <laughs> and that's the other part is you, Laura, you can't get mad at yourself because you got another shot to make in 30 seconds, as you said. 100%. Well, it's so interesting because, you know, for the average player, um, and you were right earlier, Laura, and you said it's more about ball striking. You know, um, we see players all the time. They go to the club, they, they go to the range, they hit balls until they're ready, and maybe they'll strike a half dozen putts before they go out where probably what they should be doing is spending is reversing that. 
you know, hit a few shots just to get loose and then go to the putting green and, and, and try and figure that out, huh? Yeah, I would suggest anybody heading to the, if, if your course allows you to do this, to drop a couple of putts and chip the ball onto the green. I don't mean flop the ball. I just mean chip the ball, have mm-hmm. it rolling along the ground. Um, because that's your eye-hand coordination. If, you know, and again, I, I agree with you, Bob. Put, putting is going to get you, you're going to take the first five holes to get comfortable on the greens. That has nothing to do with, with swinging a driver. Um, and we just don't spend enough time there. Yeah, You've already been to uh, Ottawa once for, uh, for publicity for the tournament, but when you go back, how emotional will it be for you? Um, yeah, I'm trying not to be in that space right now. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to, um, to get there and to be as prepared as I possibly can. Um, you know, I, it's, it, it will be, um, now oh, you got me. It will be emotional for sure. sure. Um, I lost my dad a month ago. And, um, it's still very hard and, uh, I miss him today. Cause I know that he would be, uh, kicking me in the pants to tell me, you know, keep your chin up and go work hard, short shifts, as we said in our house. Um, and don't let the ice, uh, build up in front of the goal. So, um, I'm going to be ready. I know I'm going to be emotional, but I'm going to just let it happen. Tell me a little bit about the golf course. Is it a golf course that you like? Um, yeah, it's, it, it, um, the hunt club went through, wow, they lost like a thousand trees in that Mm -hmm. wicked storm that came through. And, um, you know, the club has worked really hard in the membership to get the club, uh, in good shape and it will be in excellent shape. Um, each tee is defined. So it tells you the golf course tells you where to go. Um, in some, on some of the holes, it's a second shot hole and you need to be in certain parts of the green. So um, yeah, it, it's friendly to my eye. I have had success at Ottawa. Uh, while it was a long time ago, um, I'm I'm really just want to be comfortable, get the ball in the fairway, and get it on the green, and let's see what happens. That's that's the approach I will take. Um, you know, the nerves will be high. I'm sure getting on the first hole uh, or whatever tee I tee off on Thursday and Friday, and um, my ultimate goal is to get to the weekend. Um, and yeah, we'll see, but it is a great golf course. I think it's done a great job of hosting us many times and that's why we're back. Um, you know, we're within miles of Brooke Henderson's hometown of Smith Falls and it just fits perfectly. Um, Brooke's been doing some wonderful things as we know on the golf course, her coming off her win at Evian, um, and rolling into, uh, to the CP women's open will be exciting week for us. Now, tell us about her game. Where, where do you see her game and what she's done so well? Well, I think what she's done over the last maybe six or eight months is that she's really um, dissected an issue that she felt she had with her putting. Um, I would say she was a streaky putter. Uh, she's made some adjustments. Um, you know, in this game, I don't think you can have fear of trying something different. Uh, she putted conventional, so that would be, you know, normal grip. And now she's gone to left-hand low, as, as I call it. Uh, I spoke to her while we were at the press conference, and I said, Brooke, you know, the last half of my career, I, I held on to the putter. I putted some right, like conventional, some left-hand low. Um, you know, we talked about long putts with cross-handed. Uh, she's got the putter flat on the ground. She's putting with a putter that's similar to what Lydia Cole putts with. Um, and she has taken the time to talk to Lydia about that style of putter. Uh, those are the things that are, are good. I think the pandemic was, was both difficult and good for her in the sense that she wasn't with her dad all the time. And she was going to have to, she and Brittany were in Florida, depending on themselves. And sometimes you need to own your own stuff. Um, Dave is a true believer in, in, you know, smashing it, which I think is great. Um, then, you know, I keep telling everybody that listens, as we know, as Canadians, goalies are different. Uh, her dad is a goalie, Brooke's a goalie, and they have that mindset where, you know, she hits a bad shot. It's, she doesn't carry it, but two steps forward. And then she's, you know, another, another shot's got to be played. And, um, those are her strengths. What she did at Evian and not winning with her best, I think will will she'll have more wins now coming down the pipeline for sure, because, she knows that she can win um, when it isn't, it isn't great. Uh, we're not sitting in the same room, obviously, but I'm still going to try and get some putting tips uh, <laughs> okay. from you. Well, hold on just a minute. 
Bob, Laurie has been trying to help Doug McLean with his putting. That's not possible. And uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently, uh, admittedly, possible. the student did not pay one ounce of attention to what Laurie was trying to tell him. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> I, I know well, that. My father told me, guys, about Doug McLean that he didn't listen to much. So, <laughs> oh, no, he listens to nothing. <laughs> well, how can you listen if you're talking? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So as somebody who has, look, when I was a kid, you know, I could putt like crazy. I think all kids could putt like crazy. And I don't know why. Because they don't think. Uh, I right. guess so. I guess that's what it is. And of course, over time that dissipated now to the point where I'm, I'm just horrible. Um, and I've tried. So let me ask you a question then, Bob. Here's the uh, question. All right. Do you like to putt on fast greens or do you like to putt on slow greens? Fast. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Faster the better. Lovely. Well, then, then you just need to go back to that kid's mind and just roll the ball into the hole. Well, I'll tell you. You know why I think it's fast greens for me? Because there is all I'm thinking about is trying not to hit it too hard. I'm not feel. I'm feeling the putt more. If it's a slow green, I have to whack it like crazy, right. and then the putter gets offline a little bit, etc., etc., etc. But I've tried the low uh, hands low. I've tried the long putter. I, I, you know, you, you name it. I've got 31 putters in my garage right now as we sit here and uh, none of them are worth a damn. They're, they're, they're all, they're all junk. Um, I'm, you know, I'm still looking for the best for the great putter. Cause I believe the putter itself must be the answer. Cause it can't be me. Can it? Um, yes, it can be. And yeah, it is. I'm sure. Maybe, maybe that's the first um, you have to admit to yourself that, uh, but I will tell you this, Danny yeah. Sharp, who's been caddy and, and my coach now for the last number of years, my whole career, he's been on the bay. He used to say, cause I would change putters lots. Um, right now I'm putting with the spider and I have been for a very long time. And the reason I like it is because it swings like a blade, but it has the stability of a mallet. Mm. So one of the problems that a lot of people have is what happens with the putter a foot back. If they don't, the, a mallet will kind of allow tell you where to go because it has some balance. Yeah. And a blade will can alter, can waggle going back, which then you're not hitting the middle of the cup face. The same with swinging a driver. You want to get to impact, right? Yeah. So he would say, we have to, we need to find a putter that fits your setup, not you fitting the putter. You look at it and you say, oh, I love it but it doesn't fit you. It doesn't suit you. So Brooke Henderson went from having her putter a mallet with the heel or the toe up and you can't putt with the toe up on a mallet. It changes the center of where the putter is. Right. Yeah, sure. And so now she's got it flat on the ground. So I'm sure if we went into your basement, Bob, where all your 32 putters are, there's a couple that probably suit you better than, than the ones that don't. And being fitted for a putter is important. Um, look, I know how I know how important. you just sent him to golf town. That's what you've done, Laura. You just yeah, sent him to golf town to another putter. Now we're gonna go to thirty six. Now, probably. <laughs> problem is when I buy a putt, when I see a putter I like, I, I, I see five I like, and that's the problem. Really? So, but hey, let me, Laurie, let me ask you this: We ta you talked about earlier about the clubs being lighter. Golf technology between the ball and the clubs has changed so much in the last couple of decades. Has technology and putters changed? Oh, for sure, yeah. And and more than I uh, would even think I could tell you about. Yeah. Um, you know, putter shafts, uh, what the putter is made of, whether it's a milled face or an insert. Um, you know, the, as I say, the moment of inertia, the ball's coming off. It's, does it roll? Is it spinning um, or skidding as I see it? Um, yeah, it, they, that, it, the whole game has changed. And I mean, I'm somebody that doesn't, I, I figure if I'm not trying something new, I'm, I'm setting myself back. From that perspective, then um, the clubs you're going to play in Ottawa, the clubs you're going to play in, in Minnesota this week, um, how long have you had them? How long have you been hitting them? Uh, I've had my seven nineties, um, in the bag. This is my second set of them. So I've had them a couple years 
And the newest, obviously, I'm a tailor-made uh, player. Uh, I have the new Stealth Driver and Fairway Woods um, hybrids. And I've had those probably six months or more, the Stealth Driver. I really like it. I'm bouncing back and forth right now between the TP5 and the mm-hmm. TP5X. I probably will put the X in play. But will over your career, does the manufacturer come to you and say, we're changing? Or do you go to them and say, I need new clubs? Um, I, I would say... I, well, um, I won my, all my tournaments on the LPGA tour at the time I was playing Callaway equipment. Uh Uh, and, um, now, um, I want to have what's, what's new if it works for me. Um, and I have been, again, I've played all kinds of events where, uh, I always believe that you never really know what equipment's going to do until you're under the gun. Mm. And playing casually is a whole lot different than tournament golf. So, a few years back, I remember playing in a mini tour event just to get some reps in. And I played the first round with one set of clubs and a ball and the second round with a different set of clubs and a different ball just to get just to get a sense. Now, some might say I'm a little crazy doing that. But my my thought is that I don't know until I'm under the gun. And so and so a couple of tournaments, three tournaments before you really realize that, okay. Uh, you can pretty much tell right off the first. You can. If you're swinging it, you, you know, it's, um, yeah, you know, right away. Well, one of the, so let's get into the, 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 the specifics here. The golf ball that you play that um, TaylorMade now sends you, same golf ball that I can buy in the store? Yes. You're sure? Yes. Hundred percent, huh? You're smiling yeah. like crazy, Lori. <laughs> it is. Okay. It's the same packaging. They're not. I'm not that special. <laughs> All right. Well, tell me about the clubs. I mean, obviously, you get fitted. Um, yes. Which and everybody should. Everybody should. Yes, definitely. Everybody should. Um, if we go back to what I said about weight, I I know that probably I would be better off with a lighter iron. I've changed shafts over a number of years, um, which have been lighter, but I also want the weight of the club to be at the bottom, not in my hands. Um, I want to be able to feel, feel the the weight of the head. And, you know, I'm sure that if I went on a track man um, or whatever the numbers are, I can't, I don't pay any attention to that, Bob. That's where I leave Danny and the club fitters um, at TaylorMade, uh, I know I've spent a ton of time in Toronto and at the TaylorMade, uh, office working on stuff and what we can do inside with the numbers and then taking it outside. Um, obviously because of what I do for a living, I have that luxury mm-hmm. and not everybody does. So, um, you know, I know there's great places, all kinds of courses that have the demo days and I would suggest a demo day to everyone. Oh, really? So go and go and try to grab some clubs, stick them in your bag and go. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So what, so, okay. A lot of it is look for me. Um, is it for you? Says the man with the dark glasses on. Yeah. Well, (laughs) that doesn't surprise me. Well, no, but I mean, when I look down at the club, I want it to feel, I I want it to feel good. I mean, I, I want it. I want it to look like I can get, I can hit this ball. I okay. do not like a thick top edge on the iron. Yeah. I yeah. want something as thin as possible. Okay. I stayed away. I stayed away from heel and toe waiting for the longest time right. because I just didn't like the look of them. Are you no. that way? Does that make any yes. sense? Yeah. I'm a very much a traditionalist and I love a, 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 a thinner top line. That's why I like the seven nineties. They're, they are thinner. Now you could do a combo set because where I would really like a thinner line is in my short irons. Mm. And I don't mind now saying I need a little more help with six, five. I don't carry a four iron anymore. Oh, don't um, you? No, wood? Um, hybrids. And yeah. I, so saying that, you know, to have one, the five iron is going to be a little chunkier looking. Well, that's the design of the clubs, the way they're, the way they're making clubs now. Um, you know, you can really get benefit from them, but if you don't like the look of them straight off, then that's, that's, I agree with you. It's, um, 
look and feel are, are things that you, you have to, you know, you have to like, the game is tough enough. I know this is crazy as, as hell. <laughs> uh, last set of clubs I got, uh, you know, I went and got fitted tailor-made and, uh, they, they brought them out and I looked at them. I said, well, where's the three iron? Oh, where's the two it. iron? Yeah. I mean, I figured, I knew that they didn't make one irons anymore. I have, I have a bunch of those too, by the way. Did you ever hit right. a one iron? Oh yeah. On tour? Not often. No. Um, probably played with a two iron in my bag for quite a long time, especially when we went over to, uh, to Europe to play. But you know, the interesting thing was Larry, he, he scrambled and he got me a three iron, but he said, I don't have a two. Says we don't even make them anymore. No. And I look at technology, technology wise, I get that. But how much of this game is feel and how much of it is what you want and what you think is, is best for you? I don't know the answer to that question, I suppose. Well, like, like, let me, let's just look at the makeup of Rory's bag or of Dustin's bag. Dustin ha carries a nine wood and a seven wood. Wow. Wow. Like, and depending on where he's playing, I'm sure it changes those things out lots. Um, I carry <clears throat> uh, two wedges. Could When I was probably playing my best, I had three wedges plus my pitch, so a, a gap, and mm -hmm. I would take a long club out. Now I need all the length, so I'm putting the longer clubs in and pulling out a, a wedge. Um, yeah. It, it The game requires everything. Like, this is where your feel is of course. in your hands. And, but visually, if you don't like the look of something, it's that's you're up against it right off the bat. I think what's your distance now compared to when you were in your oh, heyday? I'm a bunt. I'm not hitting it very far. No, not far at all. Now define uh, that for the, for the, you know, for the, uh, uh, the weekend golfers. I'm probably carrying it to 10. I probably carried it to 30, yeah. uh, to 40. Um, I'm looking for a lot of roll, which is reason I'm putting the X ball into play. So the, tra so trajectory is a key then for you. Yeah. You got to launch it. You got to get it in the air and understanding all of that. Like I said earlier in this conversation, those numbers and stuff, I, I don't know how you, I don't know how they work. I'm just going to tell you what I see and, um, and what I feel. And so, um, what hitting into a, or hitting with the use of a track man and hitting it into a wall or into a simulator is one thing. Taking it outside is another. And I think there is a little bit of discrepancy. However, I think you have to have a start point somewhere. And um, the luxury of being able to go to a golf town or into TaylorMade to have a fitting, um, those things are valuable. Uh, but then you have to make it work on the golf course. <laughs> What's the loft on your driver? Uh, nine degrees. Um, uh, so that's low, I think, for yes. the average player. Let me. T I'll tell you something. I bet you you know this. Years ago, Greg Norman. You know what? You know what the loft was on his driver. By any um, chance? probably like six or seven. Five. Yeah. He had a five-degree loft on his driver, and yeah. I heard this. Now, this was when Greg was, you know, a really good player. And so I marched in and I said, uh, okay, I want a five degree, I want a five degree loft. And of course they, they went, thought I was crazy, but I did find a seven and I used a seven degree loft forever and ever and ever. Well, you can't get that anymore. No, now no. you said you hit it low and you want to get run. Well, I am a ball. I'm a high ball hitter. Yeah. Oh, I okay. kind of probably help it a little bit. I have a shaft that I want the shaft to kick at the bottom rather than in my hands. Yeah. So there's going to be the ball will launch. Um, I probably would be told right now by the team at TaylorMade to add loft to my driver. Really, huh? Yeah. And then when you look down at it, it looks. Yeah. Well, it almost looks like a three wood, right? Yeah. 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 See, I not not I'm not in the realm of golf that you two are, but I, my favorite driver of all time was a seven and a half degree loft. I love it. There you it. go. I love it, 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 it. And it was a tailor made. Um, uh, it, it was the best driver ever had. And obviously somebody thought so too, because they took it out of the back of my car one day. So, oh dear. <laughs> well, you know, if it's really important, the shaft head combination uh, can make a, 
you know, a, lo- a low lofted club work. Yeah. So well, they, uh, the, the part he didn't tell you, Laurie, was, of course, that that was a persimmon driver, too. No. Yeah. No, I. It's probably I, about this big. Yeah. <laughs> Cher- it was cherry wood. It was cherry wood. Uh, Laurie. Oh. I, I love the cherry wood. I still have them. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Now, with, with all the talk, with the technical stuff of the game, does, does this mean you'll be teaching more? Is that, was that the whole goal in the end? Nah. No. No. Um, I like to. Um, I like to, I don't know if I, I, teaching, no, uh, <laughs> helping you play out on the golf course. Yeah. I'd lo- I love doing that. I love yeah. giving, I like to be able, there's all kinds. I've had great teachers in my career and I'm not a teacher. I'm, I'm not going to be able to tell you how to get the club or why the club needs to go to where it goes to. Um, but if you're in the craft, I can show you how to get out of there and I can show you some shots and how to play. Yeah. And, um, that's that's the fun part i like corporate golf to me um i'm seeing more and more women coming out when you know when businesses are coming to having a golf day uh they don't need to be perfect so i'm gonna they show up and even the guys like i did a charity event in ottawa just um on friday and we had every way shape and form of golfer from from never played to you know playing lots of years at a club and it was fun just, I was on a part three and it was fun just to watch them hit. And, and I gave them a couple of help notes to get the ball in the air. And a couple of people did hit it in the air and it was great. Um, yeah. But coaching, I, I, I would rather, um, I spent some time with Team Canada uh, early in the spring. Um, I don't, I, yeah, I'm, I'm all about um, on the golf course kind of stuff. And I think that that's where I can help the most. Lori Kane is with us. Take a quick break and come back with uh, more after these messages. Bob McCown, John Shannon, and Lori Kane is uh, with us. Now let's get to some other stuff. Um, you know, we have spent a lot of time, everybody in and around golf who, or who loves the game has been watching with great interest um, live and what they have done, what they are doing now, the lawsuits, the back and forth. Give me your perspective as you watch this from just outside that realm. Where do you think this is going? You know, I, I wish I had the answer. I, I really thought in the beginning that, um, I don't know if the expression is stronger minds would prevail and everyone would sit down in a room and figure out how they could do this uh, to not fracture the game because um, you know, I I believe the game of golf is strong, but I don't think the professional side is strong enough to, to have this divide. Um, I have friends who have uh, crossed over to the, to the other side or are playing live golf and um you know, they'll still remain friends. They're, they're great guys. Uh, and they have their reasons. Um, could I do it? I, I'm not sure. Um, uh, my moral compass would allow me to, I, I think if the money wasn't coming from where the money is coming from, then we may not be having this discussion. I agree. But then I'll go to hockey and I'd say, is this any different than the players that we know that have gone to play in Russia? And the rumor is that they're paid in a Brown envelope. Like, um, I, I don't know what the difference is. Um, I guess the biggest difference from a golf perspective is that we tend to use this term independent contractors quite, um, freely. And I have never seen myself as an independent contractor of the LPJ tour. I've seen myself as a member of the LPJ tour and I built my whole life and my career because I was a member of the LPJ tour. Um, I'm a little bit worried as to what might happen with women's golf. And I hope that we can sit down at a table and and continue to grow the game because the 13 founders that built the LPGA tour, um, I feel strongly that we have a responsibility to keep it, keep it going. But, you know, when you're talking about the money, Bob, that they're talking about, it's crazy. And, uh, but I don't begrudge any of the guys that, uh, wanted a pay raise. Mm. I get it. So here's something interesting. I don't know if you're aware of this, but, um, you know, we do golf every once in a while. Richard Zokal is one of the guys that we talk mm-hmm. to on a fairly regular basis. Uh, Dick got a copy of the, um, 
the tax return, I believe, for the PGA Tour. And among the things, the one thing that he, that, that he brought up to us that I was very shocked at is uh, the amount of money that is taken in by the PGA Tour and the amount of money that is given out in prize money on the tour. Do you want to take a guess at what the percentage of the overall intake is, is returned to the players? Do you want to take a guess? No. <laughs> Good answer, Lord. 17%. Yeah. 17. So let me so let me interrupt you for a second. I'm going to give you okay. a little bit of history on the LPJ tour. So six and a half percent of a purse is yeah. taken off the top to operate. Okay. So for me, every tournament, it doesn't affect the winner's check, but it affects our operating costs. Mm-hmm. If we did not have that six and a half percent, we wouldn't be able to operate. Right. So um I would love to have the six and a half percent that I, you know, I'd be closer to Mike Weir's um, career money if I, if I had that now um, of all of this, the most disturbing part of all of this to me right now is now the PJ tour has taken the stance that they're going to increase purses, have more like go back to what we referred to as the silly season. So then who suffers in the whole scheme of things? the bottom end who are trying to make their way up through the ranks and, right. and developing golf. Like neither, neither side are really developing golf. If, if you look at it just strictly from the dollar side. Well, okay. All I'm saying is that if 17, if only 17% is paid back to the players, yeah. um, that is why you've got a whole bunch of guys sitting around. And this is a very, you know, it's a not-for-profit company, um, business, and it is run by the guys at the top who are not inclusive. Well, this is what the players say. They're not inclusive of the players in letting them know what everything, what, you know, where everything is going, where the money is going, who's doing what, who, you know, um, and, you know, I think Dick put it in a very interesting way. He said, you look at major league baseball and the players make about 50%. NHL hockey, 50%. No matter. Okay, so I'm going to have to, I'm going to interrupt again and tell you that yeah. every other sport but ours has a union, a player's side. We're That's not correct. unionized. We're individuals. I know. We're, we're, but we're members of, of each said tour. And um, you've said not for profit. We're a not for profit. The PGA Tour is a not for profit. They're, but yet they're a big machine moving forward. Yeah. I don't. I really don't think that, I mean, this has been, I guess um, we all know that Greg Norman was headed for the PGA tour and was because that's how the WGC event started. Um, You know, I'd like to know in hockey when the WHL kind of went out on his own and tried to, to overtake or like become better than the NHL. And we know where that went. um, Not far. Uh, but now this is a whole different kettle of fish. Like, um, Dick would, Richard knows, Zokal knows way more about the PGA tour than I do. Um, in where the monies come and go from, I can speak just what I know on the LPGA tour. And while women's golf is increasing its purses and there's, you know, things are are moving along quite nicely. We're still having to take six and a half percent off the top of a, of a, contract to to operate yeah how how concerned Lori? i mean with with the pga tour being as it's in my mind as big as it is and all and this live thing showing up there's only a certain amount of advertising dollars in the market how concerned are you that this will cannibalize women's golf in so many ways well i guess that's yet to remains to be seen i I'm hearing rumor that Liv has wanted to come into the women's side. Um, what I, I believe I'm being told is that they haven't quite gotten sat down at the table. Um, I, I know that I, cause I watched an interview with Greg Norman and he spoke about the Aramico series, which is a, a series of events, eight of them that are run under the let um, brand. Um, so that's the European ladies tour. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but they're playing for a million dollars. They're not, they're not throwing the money like big money. Um, Mr. Norman, with all due respect to him, felt that Aramico was one of the biggest sponsors in women's golf. Well, they're not. Um, you know, opportunity to play more, have different types of events. I, I think that's the exciting part. But um, they could they could do us under pretty quickly if if they started throwing the money they're throwing at the men uh, to our top players. If you look at, again, I'm going to go back to other sports. If you look at the WHA, eventually some teams from the WHA made it into the NHL. Four. The American Football League. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. That they merged with the National Football League, at least I think five teams or whatever it was. Well, more than that. Yeah, merged. In any event, do you think there's a merger somewhere down the road? Can golf survive, work, um, if there are two separate tours competing against each other, what do you think? Um, yeah, that's I. You know what? I don't know. I have that answer. I, I can say in no. the current form, I think there's an awful lot that has to. Uh, you know, I get the, or maybe I don't. I mean, I know that uh, playing a shotgun start <laughs> with a 54-hole event. Um, can be done and, and it can be high level competition. Um, but the, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's the, the world ranking points are the key thing here. And, and I guess I, as you know, I look at the majors, both on the men's and women's side. And that's, that's like the who's who of golf. That's, you know, those events are, are significant, but if we don't have the best players playing in those events, do they just become obsolete? And that would be sad if that happened. Um, but 48 players is all they live is going to be playing with. Yeah. Um, and right now we would, I think uh, we would all agree that half of those 48 are on the backside of their careers. Um, but with every young guy that comes along, uh, you know, that it just, no, I, I guess there'll never be Julie Inkster once said to me, there's probably never going to be another you or myself or Laura Davies who have been playing well into our fifties and, mm. and, and beyond in women's golf. And so I guess there'll never be another Jack Nicholas or Jack or Tiger Woods with the number of major championships that they've had. That's not going to be someone's goal. Might want to, might want to win a grand slam, but past that, uh, no. Mm. You like where the you like where the women's game is right now? I mean, when you talk about young talent, I do very much, and I I really think here in our country, um, you know what the guys are doing is fantastic. And on the women's side, we've had a little bit of a lull, but I think this injection of funding through Golf Canada and um, you know getting getting across the country to see you know if there's another me hiding somewhere or Brooke um, and just making the game available to everyone. Uh, I think we'll see some, you know, fruits of the labor, but I, we can't want it more than the athletes and golf is not easy and it's a lonely road sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I shared with, with team Canada. When I was with them, I said, you know, it, nothing, my dad always said the good things are worth fighting for. Um, but I've sacrificed a ton and I wouldn't change it for the world, but you know, we can want for kids to be successful, but they need to want it too. See, I, I mean, I love women's golf. Uh, you know, I, I was lucky enough. That's when I first met you. I was producing all those golf tournaments in the 90s. Right. My concern as a fan now is I don't recognize enough names. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, Brooke is Brooke. That's great. That's great for us as Canadians. But if I watch an LPGA event, I have a tough time finding people I identify with and I, I it, it and I know it's an international game and and I mean it's fantastic that way but you know the names I used to recognize aren't there anymore you talked about Laura Davies I Beth Daniel I used to love watching Beth Daniel play yeah uh, you know and you know, the, you know Pat Bradley could hit the ball a mile and she was you know she was a competitor but that that's a concern that uh, are there enough names on the LPGA tour to keep the non-hardcore LPGA fan around? Well, I think we need to do a better job of, of getting 
making the names home, like regular name, people yeah. creating an identity for each of the players. Um, you know, you, we have pop like the quarter sisters, um, and just their family in general. Sure. Uh, they, they're a big draw and a big name. I don't believe Brooke Henderson gets enough credit on South Neither of the border at all, at all. Agreed. Um, but there's all kinds of, of players that are like Brooke and they don't, they're just not, I don't know whether, what flashiness you need to have. I mean, you, you talk about Beth Daniel, like that was one of the best golf swings ever, ever had on the, on our women's side or men's mm -hmm. side for that matter. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think the tour could do a better job. I, I, again, because you know, the production side, I don't think we're doing ourselves any favors. I, I questioned a long time ago, the relationship with the golf channel and, and hiding us because when I was playing ESPN covered everything, right? And that ESPN crew were the best in the business. Um, I knew some, I got to know some of the camera guys and it just seemed like we had more, um, I don't know. There was more life to the telecast. Uh, and I think that's, that's a part where we just, we, we need to be better. That's so interesting. You mentioned the golf channel. We got to go here, but you mentioned the golf channel because it is really preaching to the converted, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. in this country. No kidding. Um, you are a treasure. We are, uh, we're so happy that uh, you, uh, you joined us today and um, we wish you good luck next week and the week after that, obviously. And, um, well, we're going to stay in touch with you, regardless of whether you're, you're out there on any kind of regular basis or not. And we thank you very, very much for taking some time for us today. Hey, you know, we love you, Laurie. Yeah. And listen, Laurie, I, I know that you were emotional about your dad, but understand that, uh, as many people as your dad touched about the game, you have to. Oh, well, thank you very, very much. Um, I'd love to join you again at some point. Um, but thank you very much for the encouragement and, um, guys, I love what I do. And I'm, while I may not walk the fairways after this year of another CP women's open, um, I'll be walking the fairways forever. Uh, Great. just not that tournament. <laughs> we hear you. Uh, Lori Kane, we'll come back after these messages. Uh, we are back. Well, that was fun. Wasn't it? Wasn't that great? great. Really good. Um, it's, it, it's, it's interesting to me too, that, uh, you know, in talking to Lori, uh, and talking to when we've had Ian Leggett on about, um, television and production about, um, getting to know players better, uh, that there's a bit of frustration within the industry that television does that has not done a good job of late, I would say in the last 10 years of getting to know players better. Uh, other than the top five or six guys that are, are winning the championship. All right. So here's the, here's a question then for you, um, you know, golf tournaments, you know, tournament comes on here. It is blah, blah, blah. Here's this yeah. guy hits this shot. This guy hits that shot commercial, this guy, this guy, that, and then it's over. Okay. Would we be better off? Or is there a responsibility to do say mini docs? like five minutes with a player on who they are, where they come from, et cetera, et cetera, to address what you talked about. Yeah. Allowing the fan to understand who these people are. The answer is yes. Five minutes is too long in a golf tournament uh, for a golf tournament because you, you could, how many shots are you going to miss? Well, so what? No, well, so you miss a shot or two. Okay. But I mean, if I, if you told me two and a half to three minutes, the answer for me would be absolutely. That's really okay, whatever, go. but golf is so expensive to produce period. When you think of technology and everything that has to go into cabling yeah. a golf course and, um, that people are not willing right now to spend that extra money on what you, what we would call in, in the business player profiles. They're just not. Well, but isn't that, shouldn't that be the responsibility of the PGA Tour y yes, to insist? And the LPGA Tour. And yes. the LPGA Tour. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, it should be. And I mean, but I, I mean, I, I go on, on the PGA website and I go on the LPGA website. I don't see those profiles. They are, the, to me, there's a responsibility of, of, of both tours to be building that type of content as well. You know, we, we've, we've made so much. 
What happens now, Bob, and you know this, is we made so much of the the corporate sponsorship of the tournaments and the the giving back to charities to the tournaments. We 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 focus so much on that in a production as a pope, in addition to playing the showing the golf. We don't talk about the athletes. We don't talk about these people who uh, are playing the game and what makes them tick and what makes them interesting. Um, and it's to me that's a that's not just a golf issue. That's an issue of sports on television right now because people don't want to spend that what I would describe as soft money on on content like that. So let me tell you a little story here. Uh, you and I think you know this. Years ago, um, I did cover parts of the tour, the senior tour. Sure. Um, uh, well, all of it. And I got the opportunity to sit in hotel bars, if you will, at night after, you know, either during the week or during the tournament and sit with guys. I mean, I used to cover the senior, what was called the senior tour back then, not the mm-hmm. champions tour. It was called the senior tour. Yeah. And it was Don January and Miller okay. Barber and uh, Roberto DiVicenzo and Bob Golby and Palmer, you know, ultimately. Um, and I'll tell you what you found. You know, these guys, if you put a microphone in front of them at the end of the round, oh. they'd say, they'd say whatever. When, if you sat with them in the bar, you get some real stories. You get real stories. Yeah, absolutely. These are real people who are, who have actually have personalities, big personalities, but they're playing golf and they're being serious. And there's, the, this is, this is what the golfer is supposed to look like. But, but the, but the science and the, and the level of focus of, of professional golfers, a has changed because they're so dialed in on what they're supposed to be doing as a golfer. They don't, they don't feel they have to be able to market themselves. You don't think if you walked into a bar today with, with a group of those guys that they wouldn't be fun to be with. Oh, I I do because that goes back to that independent contractor thing. If you can create a relationship with the TV guys, you, there's a good chance you're going to be on television more and the logos on your shirts are going to be seen more too. Bingo. Yeah. Well, the, 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 the tour, when I covered the tour quick, I was the most popular guy on the tour because the production, the, the players would come and say, where's the producer? I got to meet him. Yeah. They all wanted, they all wanted to be on camera. They wanted airtime. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we got to go, but we'll talk more about it. Our thanks to Lori Kane. Once again, wasn't that great? Gosh, that, that was, was good. Yep. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow folks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.